I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay. Oh my days. How is this kid 13? He's unreal. <clears throat> Definitely <clears throat> something we can use at a later date. <laughs> oh my God. How is this kid 13? That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> He's only 13. <laughs> Right. Mm. It is Monday, which means it's time for the run free with me, Adam Bowler, once again, alongside, as always, our co-host Lawrence McKenna. Hello. As we speak on. Hello. That was lovely. And Chris Hennage is here as well. Chris, how's it going? Absolute voice of an angel from him over there. <laughs> which one, me or Lawrence? I assume Lawrence. That beautiful, Bo- high-pitched falsetto. Is that called a falsetto? It's, well, uh, Dave's not here. <laughs> Dave is not here. Dave is Oktoberfest, I believe. Statman Dave is not here. Drinking up with uh, with Carl and Stotty and the Bayern boys. But it's great to be back, guys. Great to be speaking to Adam, you, Lance, so good Christmas to again. Back. It's so good to it's have been, you back. I've made one guest appearance, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very good to be back. A, a, long, a long six-week holiday. Um, lots of fun, but good to be back. I sort of was not... I wasn't fully up to date with the football i gotta admit so towards the last week when i started to you know check out the headlines and stuff it was quite uh surprising to see all the, the things that have changed big sam you know at the start of the holiday he was the man of the moment having won the game you know 100 percent record all this and then by the end of it he's he's not there anymore it's all it's all changed really it's mean, all man. been going crazy yeah, but not only that, but now um, no. obligated, blah 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 oh, did, it, did it feel awesome. a little bit like the start of 28 days later you, you rocked up at Heathrow and it was everything was deserted. You had no idea why. Hang on. Now, there's not not that much has changed, Chris, because Spurs are still amazing. That's the main thing, you see. Uh, beating Nancy, the only unbeaten team in the league. Best start to a league campaign for Spurs ever, I believe. So it's it's a good time to be a, to be a Spurs fan. As we see. Um, before we get into all that, though, we're going to be talking about Liverpool as well, Arsenal, La Liga, Serie A, all the good stuff. Before we get into that, we should go for comment of the week because I've got a great comment. Whoa, here. we've not done this in a while. This whole this whole podcast changed. Wow. Adam was away. I'm back, mate. It's all changed. <laughs> it's all changed. Suddenly, it's got structure. <laughs> I did. Uh, I get the emails about the the, the, the comments that come in on iTunes. Do keep them coming in. Your your reviews, your ratings. Comment of the week this week has to go to Shalobster from the USA. A five star review. So thank you very much. He said, Dave's hair is motivation enough to sub- to subscribe to this podcast. So there you have it. You might have noticed that's what's missing this week. You, could, you can't see it, but you can you can see hear it. its essence. Yeah. yeah, you can hear the essence of Dave's hair. I think so. Essence of missing this week, but he will be back very soon. Um, I'm sure after God, countless uh, pints of lager. But guys, thank you so much once again to everyone who reached out to me when I was away, sort of offered places to stay. Some people, free trips to certain tourist destinations as well i've got to say a big thank you to chris out in cusco um he uh, offered me to come out on night out with him and his lovely wife they might be moving back to london soon so i do owe him a few drinks so chris if you're listening i'll definitely definitely get you back when you're back in london um he got me probably the 
the spiciest drink I've ever had. They drink over there something called Pisco Sours. I don't yeah. know if you've you this. Yeah. For some reason, he, he, I felt like it was a challenge. He was like, do you want the chili one? I didn't want to, yeah, a bit of a I didn't want to say no. But drinking it, I did start panicking. My face was going red. I was like, no, that's fine, mate. Don't worry about it. You know, it's fine. Beautiful drink. It was not nice. It was probably the spiciest thing I've ever had. But, um, ever? Chris, thank you anyway. It was, it was a bit much, I'd say, in a drink. Why would you have a spicy drink? What's the... What's the There were these drinks that we did when we were in Poland where they were called Mad Dogs. Yeah. Have you ever had a Mad Dog? No, it wasn't. Um, it's like, um, so I think it's vodka <laughs> and then it's, uh, and then it's like a sort of, uh, I, can't remember, it was, I can't remember if it was yogurt or something else. And then there was like a... Uh, it it's got some chilli in it or something? Chilli chili sauce on top. So like basically really hot Tabasco sauce. And it, that would hit the back of your throat and then the vodka and then you'd swallow the yogurt and it was really, really good. Sounds disgraceful. disgraceful. Um, I wouldn't be having a mad dog. <laughs> it's disgracefully good. Before we get into the football stuff, then I just want to spare a thought for Francesco Guidlin, who was sacked today by Swansea on his birthday, which oh, got me thinking. Birthday. Before the podcast, I asked you guys to come with a little story, potentially, of what's the worst thing that's happened on your birthday. Obviously, losing your job. Not great for old, uh, old Francesco. Chris, I'll come to you first. What's the, what's the worst thing or most unfortunate thing that ever happened on the day of your birth? So I believe it was my 21st. Oh, God. Yes. Um, and uh, when I was at uni, I had seen been seeing a Spanish girl very briefly before she you went back know. home. Um, Did she know you'd been seeing this, her? Uh, well, we'll get on to that bit. Um, so it was the, my 21st, she was coming back to London and said, oh, you know, it'd be great to see you, why don't you come down? And I didn't have any other plans, so I was like, sounds like a tremendous idea. Got on a train very early in the morning, I want to say like 7 in the morning, 8 in the morning. Got down there, was about 20 minutes outside of the London, and that was when the, the first red flag essentially flew. And she was like, oh, we're a little bit late, we're going to be probably closer to 11 and I'm like oh great it's 9 o'clock in the morning and I'm stood in London by myself shit what are you going to do forward, f- well this is before I knew you you see um, <laughs> so uh, fast forward to her being four hours later than intended um, we see each other we catch up it's nice um, at no point does she mention my birthday at all in fact her friend who would come along wished me a happy birthday um, and had, if I remember right, had got me a card. She had done absolutely nothing. And so he was got you a card. Is, yeah. And so, oh, like, think. Wrong girl. Think. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what I've picked the wrong one here, haven't I? Um, so, yeah, it was absolutely, it was a terrible way to spend the day. Um, oh, because, because, literally, like I say, she didn't even remember it was her birthday. Clearly, uh, <laughs> she had had a greater impact on my life than vice versa. Yeah. She wasn't fast. Uh, she wasn't fast. Really wasn't. Really wasn't. If anything, if, for, for added irony, I had something for her. She had nothing for me. Like, I had, <laughs> I had, I had a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, can, we just, can we just stipulate what that thing was? Definitely wasn't throbbing. Okay, good. You think it is. Well, <laughs> I've never seen it throb before, but I've, I've heard it's very impressive. 
is it? So, so yeah, I had a present for her. It was, it was... <laughs> this is why. It's because when you turned up, you went, I've got something for you. And she was like, fuck Oh, man. Oh, I didn't, I didn't... Don't worry, it's not throbbing. <laughs> I didn't use nearly enough nouns when I started that sentence. Uh, so it, she she was a, a big football fan, so I had something Ronaldo-related for her, and she had absolutely nothing for me. Again, why did I tell this story? Why did I open up? Why, why did I even bother? Disgraceful. Absolutely why disgraceful. did I open up? You should have... Good, Chris. Well done. It's a good, good story, Chris. It's a good story. You had, you had any good birthdays? Um... Well, no, I was just going to say the worst thing that ever happened was when I think, well, it wasn't the worst thing, but, you know, I think I was 12, 13, maybe four. I was the big man, four. I was a grown man now. It's time for me to cut my own cake. You know, demanded my mum give me the, bit, the massive knife. I was like, don't worry about this. Mate. I've got this. She made a beautiful, uh, I was learning guitar and things. She made like an acoustic guitar cake. And I was like, you know, don't worry about this. I've got it. Went to cut the cake, almost sliced off my finger, Really deep cut blood everywhere over the cake, everything. <laughs> I just like no way, highly embarrassing. Um, that was probably the worst birthday experience I've got to say. Um, have you got one, Lawrence? Um, I don't know. We used to have some pretty wild parties at my house when I was a teenager. Oh, did you now? Yeah, we once uh, a kid once Any got frobbing there. Well, someone once tried to slice someone's hand off with a bread knife. Um, <laughs> whoa, whoa, uh, that's uh, some kids that we didn't know, sure. gangster, is it? Some kids that we didn't know tried to roll through the party and started like putting their hands through the letterbox and then before i knew it the mental get it the so to speak <laughs> what the, the, before i knew it the, there was a kid at my party grabbing their hands and then being like get the bread knife <laughs> and before i knew it another kid was grabbing the bread knife and then they were trying to like many and welcome so yeah yeah good to know we're oh, wow. watching things in the background yeah, good stuff. In, in case you just, you know, uh, you've just sort of tuned in, as it were, and you're wondering why we're talking about worst birthdays. It is, of course, because Francesca Guidlin. <laughs> if you sort of, if you sort of zoned out, I'd say. Picks up a podcast this... and goes, yeah. "Put it six minutes in and see what they're saying." <laughs> yeah, I'll just skip to exactly. What's this? This is not football. We're talking about worst birthdays, guys, because Francesca Guidlin, poor Guidlin, was sacked on his birthday. Um, I've never thought we need to re-record the start more than right now. <laughs> Yeah, no, we don't. This is perfect. Uh, Chris, briefly, what are, your, what are your thoughts on Bob Bradley being the new Swansea manager? It's certainly a left-field appointment. It's it's maybe not one of the more recognised coaches. I don't think it's a bad appointment. I think he has a good pedigree. He's also, from, from talking to players, both on and off the record, actually a very good motivator, someone that's tactically adaptable. Um, and he, he doesn't have a set way of playing. And I appreciate that this could very much come back to bite me. You look at when Mauricio Pochettino was hired and and what he had done in the game as a manager relative to to the job he was given. And there was surprise. I'm certainly not saying that Bradley will achieve the same as Pochettino has. I do think he'll do well, though. I I don't think that Swansea will capitulate. I think they'll gain the kind of stuff they need. the The most kind of off the bat thing for me is fitness-wise, Swansea have looked dead after 70 minutes. Mm. He will get that team sharp, he'll get them fit, and he won't do it by just running them into the ground. He has a very structured and tailored plan um, in terms of fitness. And I had spoken to, to one of the lads at Starbuck who who was on that plan and feels it did wonders for his game. It's, uh, it's an interesting one, Lawrence, because 
obviously they haven't had the best start of the season. I think that's fair to say. But the performances in the last couple of games were were more encouraging, should we say. Do you think it's the right decision for them to get rid of Guidlin and bring in Bradley? I mean, there was talk of gigs coming in. Obviously, the American owners uh, wanted their own man in. Do you think Bradley's going to be a good appointment? Obviously, there's elements of it sort of feeling a little bit unfair on any manager who, you know, gets mm. sacked so early on, especially... And uh, on his birthday. And on his birthday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, get over that, mate. Um, I think part of it is really that um, Bradley, it, it was the same as Liverpool, essentially. Liverpool could have stuck with Brendan Rodgers and said, look, we, we, you know, we've got a perfectly reasonable roll of the dice here. Um, you know, a person who's going to steady the ship and do all those sort of things. But I think at the same time, they realised that if they didn't roll the dice then maybe there would be a time where they'd look back and think, well, actually, I don't know what could have happened there. And I think Bradley is a manager who, like Chris says, is sort of ready to make that step. So I, I, for me, it's probably good timing. I think it, 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 there are elements of risk, but we know that there's a track record there. I think, especially when it comes down to Americans transitioning into the league, I mean, you know, it, because there isn't much of a trodden path, and because, you know, what Guilin was somewhat of a faceless manager, if you like, another one, one that sort of falls into the background, we have less of a gauge about this one. It's the same as when Pochettino came into the league, you know, people were sort of like, oh, I can't believe they got rid of Nigel, etc., etc. But over time, we saw the benefits of that. And I think because it's a path less trodden by some clubs, or a lot of clubs out there, maybe people are less sure about the outcome and therefore the coverage is, is a little bit less. Well, I mean, you, you, you speak of Pochettino there, Chris compares, in a way, Bob Bradley to Pochettino. Spurs, of course, as I mentioned before, the only unbeaten team left in the league. A very impressive performance against Manchester City uh, yesterday, a 2-0 win for them. Um, obviously, Chris, I mean, uh, you as well as many other people are talking about how Spurs were flying under the radar at the start of the season. Not anymore. People are talking about them being title challengers once again. They played so well yesterday. They're so intense. They, they sort of, it felt like they won the game in the in the first you know twenty minutes, half an hour, essentially. They did, and and one of the, the most important things for me, it's it's almost it's well, it is it's quite intangible. Is I think they played with aggression but composure. Mm. So the the pace of things and the fact that they targeted um, City's fullbacks meant that it was very easy to win the ball off City and, and start those attacks higher up. I think uh, Ericsson had about 17 ball recoveries or something ridiculous like that. That's almost double to what he was kind of getting last season. Um, <clears throat> and there's a thing as well that the longer he kind of has with them, there will come a point where the fluency is, is in its optimum. And I think we're getting close to that stage watching them against Man City. I think what you have to remember as well is, and it's, important to, to keep in mind that Guardiola has only had a, a, about a few months with this team and yes the, the ceiling has been raised early on with some of the performances and individual performances like Raheem Sterling for example mm. there are also players that are going to really struggle in this new system and the likes of Kolarov is, is probably a good example so that for me takes us to an interesting point because it means does Guardiola now actually start to coach in a different way in the sense of does he change a style that he hasn't had to change because it's always been winning or does he stick through it and ride through those bumps and see if he can at all maybe negate the deficiencies of, of some of the squad I mean we'll, we'll get into to Pep and see a little bit more but sure. Spurs first Lawrence I mean how I'm impressed with you with them because for me it was sort of we, we spoke at the start of the season uh, when we, we sort of previewed the, the Premier League we were talking about how Potentially Tottenham may have been affected by the end of last season, how maybe they were lacking strength and depth, maybe there weren't options on the bench. 
yesterday seemed to provide evidence that all those issues seem to be addressed. I mean, there's no sort of hangover seemingly from the end of last season. People like Victor Manyama coming in for the likes of Eric Dyer, Harry Kane missing for injury, Moussa Dembele, who Spurs basically couldn't win without last year, missing. And yet Spurs managed to put in a performance of this level to have players coming off the bench who give them options. Do you think, I mean, all the talk already, of course, in football every week, if someone wins a game, they're all of a sudden hyped up beyond all recognition. But I suppose the real deal once again this season. I definitely think they're a real deal in the sense of um, competition. Uh, with the other side, they're, they're probably one of the two or three hardest sides to face in the league. And I'm putting them basically with uh, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City. Mm. I think there are probably another couple of names in there, but you'd say consistently hard to face at least. Um, yeah. And then uh, I, I think that's partly because of the way they're, they're playing right now. It's, it's hard to match that intensity as another team. It's also hard to even uh, sort of coach a side to get to that level. And I also think the midfield, the movement is just fantastic. Um, you know, Wanyama, uh, Deli Ali, I think especially impressed for me in this final game. Deli Ali's breaking into the penalty area, just confuses defences and makes it really difficult. And I think that's where Chris is talking about the moment, picking out individuals or, or spots to attack. They did that very well. Um, and then also just Wanyama, I, I was really impressed by his overall influence on yeah, the game. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, because not only was he sort of forward, but I think... You know, there's a couple of players this season who were very advanced at one point and playing in systems maybe a season or two ago where they'd maybe play a little wider. So the likes of Lalana, maybe even Wanyama, a couple of guys who didn't have such a prominent role in the game and were allowed to be a bit freer, mm. who have been given a bit more responsibility, actually, uh, when they've played at least. And that responsibility, I think, has uh, enhanced their game and you know made them better players. I've never... I never felt to be impressed by Pochettino as well, I should say. You mentioned him Wanyama there. He sort of changed up the formation a little bit. It was fluid, but it looked like a, it was sort of like a 4-1-4-1. Wanyama was sitting in front of the defence, destroying players. Essentially, he made more interception than any other player. But Eriksen was sort of alongside Ali almost. as sort of a conventional midfielder. But usually you see they, they play a 4-2-3-1 Spurs. Eriksen's usually out on the left. He sort of changed it up for this game. Putting Hyungman uh, Son up front as well instead of Janssen was something that was questioned before kickoff. But it worked wonderfully. He was pressing from the front, leading the way in that respect for Spurs. So every time you know you question Pochettino, ah, maybe, you know, should he be doing that? Should he be buying Moussa Sissoko X, Y, Z? He always proves us. He always, he always proves he's right, essentially. So it's, I mean, before, it's, it's also, a great time to be a Spurs fan. I also think it's, I mean, obviously it's a good time to be a Spurs fan. It's a very predominant sort of trendy um, thing at the moment. The same for Liverpool. I definitely think there are they weaknesses. They seem to sign, I think the entire squad signed a new contract while I was away as well. Yeah, I mean, every day that or I think the same, this, uh, the same body had different faces <laughs> photoshopped on. Yes, um, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I also think though that it's, it's you know, it's partly the trend at the moment. I mean, you know, a few seasons ago, there was a different trend. I'll be interested to see how as football and as the game moves forward this season, Pochettino and Klopp and all the other managers with pressing as a central part to the game start to deal with other teams that press against them and also teams that sit back. And, uh, you know, obviously Liverpool face Spurs. The further we get on in the season, the more that we sort of see what a good point that is for both teams. That's the interesting thing. Obviously, you mentioned the two teams there who are sort of famous in the league for this system. I mean, Chris, the, the, the downside in a way, and we sort of saw it first towards the end of last season, and you sort of saw it in the, the second half yesterday to an extent, they do tend to run out of steam, essentially. It's such an intense way to play. It's so so demanding that it does, it does have its effect. I mean, do you think 
especially it might not matter so much for Liverpool because you know we'll come on to them and their lack of European competition but for Spurs do you think this is something that we'll, we'll start seeing effects of towards the end of the season once again no um, I think what will change is he will manage games better um, I think he'll look to to essentially win them in the first half hour um, they won't have to play a team of City's calibre or even near that most weeks and that's something that's important to remember I also think that if you look at the squad, I wouldn't say that they applied a huge injection of quality in the summer, but I would say they improved their bench and depth options. So they yeah. got rid of the likes of uh, Ryan Mason, Alex Pritchard, and brought in someone like Moussa Sissoko and Vincent Janssen. Now, I don't think that either man is, is really worth starting for Spurs at this precise moment, but I think they're adequate replacements. And that's what I think they lack. Would you most said, parts I, see. I mean, Chris, would you not have said, though, that some people underestimated the addition of people like Son to the side? Um, and it, it's a real confidence in the coaching of this side um, that they that they sign players like this and don't just sort of go for some of the bigger names. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think some of it is necessity as well, though. I, I don't think Spurs can compete financially with the teams that they're trying to, to battle against for the league title. I think... They have to find players like Son. They have to find players like Bale going back a few years who can, and and Son's not there yet, but potentially be a world-class talent and a game-changer. Um, that, in some ways, I think breeds a bit of freedom because no one's expecting it, really, for the most part. Mm. And, and, and if you don't succeed, then there's not as much pressure than, say... Genie Vijnaldum at, at Liverpool or Sadio Mane at Liverpool. They're, they're, I would say, a few rungs up, but still in that kind of same bracket. And you look at probably Man United's the best. You look at Paul Pogba. If he doesn't do something game-changing every time he steps on the field, people talk about he's had more haircuts than goals. And, and it falls <laughs> back into this very easy narrative about, isn't he a waste of money? I mean, it's also it's, it also fits in quite nicely um, with the idea that the system is always bigger than the player. And there's been a few people who have made really good points that what is, what's very evident about Pep's team um, is, uh, you know, uh, the, the fact that they've got a system there. Whereas with Mourinho, it does seem that there are some individuals who aren't playing within that system. Zlatan's actually a really interesting one because people always pick out Zlatan, um, but then he's he seems to be one that's leading the line very well. It's the people immediately behind him that aren't doing fantastically. Well, look at, look at City as well. Look at Nelito, who was... I would argue one of their cheapest signings in the summer, if not their cheapest, I don't have the, the numbers to hand. And yet he's had one of the biggest influences on them. That's that's because he's cater-made to that system. He's, mm. he's the perfect player to go into that position, play in the, the type of spaces that they want and produce what they need. So you're completely right in saying that actually you need to be buying for your system. And while I think it's quite popular at the minute to, to throw shade at Paul Pogba, I think that's one of the reasons he's struggling is because he was bought and expected to build bridges around him when realistically you almost need to have those bridges in place before you sign someone like Paul Pogba. In terms of, of City, Chris, obviously in the second half they did come into it a bit more. They hit the post, they had a few good chances um, that they couldn't put away as Spurs tired and sort of gave them more space. They're not going to face a team like Spurs very often who sort of frankly, pressed them to an insane degree so early in the game. Do you think Pep, though, needs to adapt his system his style slightly because already it feels like if you put pressure on that defence, if you put pressure on Bravo, who, you know, I think, I can't, I lost count of how many times 
he, they were passing back to him and using him as sort of the the instigator of play. Do you think Pep needs to find a, a way to adapt that? I'm not sure if, if adaption is the right word as much as... I mean, you look at Bravo. He, he for me, typifies a Guardiola player because he is so unwilling to deviate from the plan that he'd almost rather be dispossessed than just put it mm. out himself. And look, that that could, in, in that sense, when you talk about that against Spurs, that could be uh, foreshadowing some really rough moments for him this season where there just isn't a passing lane. And if you push your team right up to the point where it is man on man, you, you can't facilitate passing out from the back in that way. You have to be a little bit more direct. I think... At this precise moment, I think he'll stay with, with with his ideals. I think he's very principled as a coach. I think um, you look at how long he was reared in the Barcelona system and then his own coaching journey, learning uh, as much as he did when he played in Mexico for Dorados. And it, to me, it, it breeds an identity that is so concrete and cast iron that even a few wobbles, even a defeat, against a very good Spurs team that is more organised um, and maybe more organised is the wrong word, but has had more time to, to integrate the ideas, I don't think that rocks him as much as we think it rocks him. I think he looks at that and says, I didn't have De Bruyne, I'm still very much in the early stages with this, and I've lost one game out of, what is it, seven now in the Premier League? Yes. I also think That's he gets... Not, his, he's, not a he's terrible almost, return. He almost... It, it, it strikes me that he's not he sees the wins not only in the sort of the win column, if you like, the wins sort of come because from a football purism, if you like, um, where it's kind of, yeah, did we, yeah, we won, but did we play well? And, you know, did we achieve what we set out to achieve? And obviously that's always to win, but it was very interesting. His post-match analysis was very much away from the kind of, you know, we did this wrong, we did that wrong. It was just, they were better. And it's, I just find it really interesting because I, I definitely think he's trying to give himself a bit of time to, like Chris says, adapt this team and, and grow around it. And it's, it's, it's really fascinating because obviously it's different to some other managers who, you know, like Mourinho and like Klopp sometimes who react to the result of the win or the loss. And, you know, Klopp, Klopp's very changeable, but, you know, Mourinho so much. Speaking of which, um, we're talking about Spurs being total challenges. People are talking about Liverpool, Lawrence. Obviously, he's been up there, been very impressive at the start of the season, obviously winning again at the weekend. Not such a great first half, but a much better second half. You know, the, the sort of thing we'd expect from Liverpool would be to have those those run of you know two wins or whatever, then to lose again. They're very inconsistent last season. It looks already like they've sort of started to put that behind them. They're now four wins in a row, um, haven't lost since the second game of the season against Burnley. How impressed have you been with Liverpool this season? And what do you think, based on that, is going to be considered success this season. Is it a top four finish? Is it a title run for you? Yeah, I think I think it's probably a, a top four finish, but I think some people are tipping them for the title. Um, or no to Europe. Least, no Europe. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, Liverpool can only get... in Europe, you know? The Leicester effect yeah, oh, last yeah, year. Sure enough. Yeah, I mean, a week to prepare. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, although Klopp even says now, you know, it's still difficult to prepare a squad. Um, I think... There's still a lot of training to do with the side. Um, I th- you know, I think the more the season goes on, the better Liverpool will get. I really hope they don't um, get worn out. There's a couple of players to come back, though. I think a lot of people are excited about the likes of Danny Ings, um, which you know is something that maybe some people will scoff at. But Danny Ings is, I think, quite an interesting player for Liverpool. He's a very, certainly a very interesting player for Klopp because he offers mm. something that um, maybe Klopp doesn't have at the moment in terms of strikers and the way they run and the way they finish. Um, 
I also still think there's competition in the goalkeeper spot because, you know, Carrier's had quite a shaky uh, display, to say the least. Um, although you can really paint that both ways. You know, you could say in one column, uh, you know, uh, David De Gea struggled to adapt to the league and you could say in the other column, well, you know, he's no better than Mignolet. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's purely based on confidence. I think Klopp is a great uh, thing for the confidence of any side. And then looking at left-back, Liverpool do still lack a, a real left-back. And I think if someone was to challenge that in a game consistently, then we probably would see that um, that borne out because Liverpool are one of the only teams in the league who haven't actually kept a clean sheet yet, I don't think. They do look uh, a lot better already though than last season. Obviously, the addition of, of Mane has been a big plus. And like Pochino, Klopp is able to make players better, essentially. Looking at Milner, who's obviously been so good this season. Firmino, of course. But, but one question mark for me is you see Daniel Sturridge. What, what do you make of that situation, Lawrence? Because he doesn't look like he's one of the players who has bought into what Klopp's trying to do and therefore isn't one of the players who is thriving. I, don't, I think, I mean, he certainly has to have bought into it in some way, otherwise I don't think he'd be in the team at all. Um, I think he struggles at times to not be a consistent starter, uh, but I think that's also partly down to his fitness record over the last few years. He has to be managed and will be managed around that. So, you know, Do you think he'll be, you know, from Danny Ings uh, coming back soon, do you think Sturridge is not long for the club? Uh, I think if Liverpool maybe could find another option, they would mm. maybe say that Sturridge could move on. But I also think it's sort of the case with Sturridge that it's not because he's a bad player. It's more because maybe Klopp is looking at something else. It's the same with Benteke, really. Um, you know, it's not that he's a bad player. He's now doing very well at Crystal Palace, but just doesn't really fit the Klopp system. Um, mm. and it's almost like, look, mate, nothing personal, but, you know, you need to move on. The other team shaping up to challenge for the title, of course, Chris, are Arsenal, looking very impressive at this point in the season. I believe their win at Burnley was their fifth in a row now in the Premier League. Um, haven't lost since the opening day of the season, of course. Now, Arsenal, I mean, Wenger's obviously been listening to the front three where Dave was talking about playing Sanchez in a more central role. As soon as he does that, they start to look better. <laughs> the game against Burnley is not a game... Usually they'd win, essentially. They wouldn't get that sort of lucky fluff goal, handball slash offside, I think it was, from Koscielny. Do you think... I, I don't think it's offside because he doesn't touch the ball. No, but it's right. definitely handball. Handball, right. Definitely handball. It could be called for one, definitely. But they look... I mean, from the outside, looking in, we always talk about Arsenal and their inconsistencies as well. We seem to be going around in circles with them, but there does seem to be a, something a little bit different about them this season. Obviously, the win against Chelsea was a huge one for them. And to put a run of that together, the question always is, can they sustain it throughout January, etc.? Do you think they're going to be able to do that this year, or is it going to be another year of top four finish, same old, same old? It's so difficult to call. And I base that purely on the fact the goal they scored was fortunate. And... <laughs> I don't necessarily. I don't even mean from a from an officiating standpoint. I mean in terms of they did everything to try and miss it. The pair of them at the back post. And <laughs> it was going wide. It was going wide before it hit Kashani, was it? This is one of those things where that decision will be defined by hindsight. So we'll look back at Christmas and either say, "Oh, the the warning signs were there. That goal against Burnley was a get out of jail card that you know only." Uh, came before some terrible results or you'll look back and say well of course the the early signs were there because the goal against Burnley proved that they could be winners because winners often emerge with a 1-0 victory yeah. even though they don't play well 
I was thinking that. It was like Arsenal did the cliche uh, winning when they don't play well. Liverpool did the cliche sort of champion stereotype where they come from behind and they, they turn it around. Tottenham obviously beating the champion. They all seem to have fulfilled those cliches this weekend, which puts mm-hmm. them in a bracket of title challenges. But then Man exactly. City didn't. Yes. Barcelona didn't. What and Real Madrid didn't. Ooh. It's almost and, as and if was... there can be more than one story at one time. Weird. I, th- I think this is one of those results you have to evaluate in isolation. You mm. can't really try and extrapolate from it. So, in in the vein of that, Arsenal, for me, still did a lot of things that I don't like to see them do, which is be wasteful with possession. Yeah. Not necessarily giving it away as much as just shuffling it around the perimeter of the penalty box. I also think, and I, and I may have said this on the pod last week, Playing Alexis Sanchez as a false nine works very well against Chelsea because Chelsea play with a higher line. They want to come out. They want to play it from the back. Burnley want to do none of those things. So having him harrying around is not going to happen. It's going to have to go into his feet, into his head, and he's not built for that. So you need someone kind of in the mould of Giroud, someone that's going to inhabit what I consider the space between the penalty spot and the six-yard box, and there was a few chances that were put into that area, but no one was there to finish them. So for me, that was something that I thought Arsene Wenger got wrong, which sounds utterly bizarre to say when you consider he won. <laughs> and yet, it's something that I look at now and think, C- could it could it have gone easier for them? Yes, it could have. And I think if he keeps making those kind of decisions, that's the one thing I can take away from it, is if he keeps making those kind of decisions, I can see an afternoon where they're very frustrated and a lot of the previous problems are then uh, revealed or reopened. Mm. We'll get on to the rest of the Premier League games a little later on. Let's move on to La Liga for a little while, because that's that's shaping up very nicely as well going into this international break. Atletico Madrid top of the table, Real Madrid second, uh, and Barcelona back in fourth behind Sevilla. Dropped points again for Real Madrid. First off, Chris, three draws in a row. Of course, talk about Zinedine Zidane, the pressure being on him. Is, is there reason to panic for Real Madrid? Yes. Um, I, I'm being facetious, of course. I think the <laughs> important difference is Casemiro. Now, he's someone we discussed last year. I think uh, Dave often raved about him. His ability to be the oil in the engine, as Makaleli used to be, that, for me, is, is something that they miss with him out injured. And, look, this is the thing with, with the elite-level teams, is small changes can impact the balance in a, in a large way. And I think that's what we're seeing without Casemiro. It's not to say he is this huge player that defines them. It's the role that he plays is what defines them. And when you don't have someone that can do that or has those set of skills that's when the team struggles. So it's it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure how Zidane facilitates that absence in terms of replacing him. Um, maybe he changes sure his style a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, think, I think, honestly, it's it's so difficult with, with Real Madrid because you look at that squad and it's not necessarily a case of uh, looking at them and saying, these players have to play because they're all so good. It's a case of knowing the players have to start because of their egos. It's, it's a constant exercise in herding cats, managing yeah. Real Madrid. And, I, and I, don't, um, I don't envy Zidane's position at all. It's another one where, was it three or four weeks ago, towards the start of my holiday, they were talking about how Madrid are going to break the record of, of consecutive wins. 
Uh, and now all of a sudden, you know, three draws in a row is that, whoa, he's, you know, is he, there's question marks. There are question marks. Um, Barcelona as well, though, Lawrence, um, not having the, uh, a great time of it by their own high standards. They've yeah. only won two of the last five in the league. Bit of a thriller against Celta Vigo. Uh, having gone 3-0 down, they managed to, to almost pull it back. Um, and then Marc-Andre de Sturgeon with a, a bit of a howler, has to be said. Yeah, you got to feel a little bit sorry for goalkeepers uh, more recently. Iago Aspas, though, loves playing the big teams. Huh? He, he loves it, mate. Regret yeah. letting him go, yeah? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if there's any player over the past 50 years, if there's any player yeah. that's left Liverpool that I've regretted, it's Iago Aspas. It's Iago Aspas. Oh, um, right. You know, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it speaks volumes where the goals came from in this game. Um, and obviously the own goals as well. Uh, every great side's probably going to have a few results like this every season. Um, you just sort of hope it's not against a, a team like this. I guess that the issue the issue with that is that Barcelona probably are going to go through stages like this. They do so every season. Hello? Sorry, I thought it froze. I thought you were mid-sentence, but... No. Um... <laughs> he just ended it on a on a accent. Um, what do you make of it, Chris? I mean, is there anyone to blame for this sort of situation? Is it Luis Enrique for resting players? Is it because Messi's missing, etc.? Or is this just you know what happens occasionally when even to a team as good as Barcelona, teams like Celta can hurt? It's not the fun answer, but it's the last one. This just happens sometimes. Boom. <laughs> Done. Uh, I, 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 do, I do genuinely, I mean, I genuinely think that not many people are going to make too much of it. Yeah. Is that, I mean, again, like I say, it, it all seems to be treated with uh, huge drama, a loss in La Liga is seen, even a draw in La Liga is seen as, you know, the end of the world. So a defeat can seem um, pretty seismic. But at the same time, Barcelona are only two points behind <clears> Atletico <throat> Madrid, who are top of the table. So again, as I say, shaping up very nicely. The, the ability with which Barcelona can be broken on or the speed mm. with which they can be counted on, that is a little bit concerning. But I think that is an, address that, an issue they can address. Mm. How about we move on to the Bundesliga then? Good. Bayern Munich. Um, question marks again over them, Chris. Um, another one where they drop points. Um, drop two points there. Dortmund not managed to take advantage of it, but Bayern Munich, some saying they're not quite at their, their, their high level you'd expect them to be under Carlo Ancelotti. Again, is this just, you know, uh, is this panicking? Is this overreacting? What people, I think, seem to have forgotten is that there is such a wide scope of approach in management that when you actually think how much is likely to change between the way that Pep Guardiola does something and the way that Carlo Ancelotti does something, that transition is not always going to be smooth. I mean, just look at West Ham Stadium move. That was a large transition. Look how smoothly that's gone. The same applies to this. Is you're, you're changing the way that things have been done for a long time as well. That doesn't mean that it's going to happen very easily. If anything, there's probably going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some players who do it effortlessly. There's going to be some who really struggle. And there's just, I, I, I don't know, to digress slightly, I just feel as if there's such a need for instant gratification with football now. The, the best managers have to deliver instantly. And if Mourinho doesn't win the Premier League this season, then he's a failure. When actually, mm. 
if he gets him into the Champions League, he's arguably a success in my eyes. There's only one manager can win the Bundesliga, can win the Premier League. That doesn't mean the two or three that finish below them are <laughs> failures. Complete or failures yeah. yeah, it's it's such a, a, a bizarre kind of standard. Um, That's the thing, because like I say, you see the question marks over Zidane, you're like, oh, what's he done? Oh, he's drawn three games in a row. You look at Ancelotti, you're like, oh, what's he done to, to warrant this this sort of speculation? Oh, he lost one game in the Champions League and he's drawn drop points well, what, in the league. What I'd also say is, uh, sorry to cut you off there, Adam, uh, but I think right. there is also, um, a, a, like Chris says, there's definitely transitional periods, but there's also such a different uh, difference in style. People know Pep Guardiola as this intense guy, the guy who demands everything mm. from his players. They know Angelotti is a bit more of a standoffish type character, someone who is, um, who who lets the players get along with things, makes small but um, key influences within the squad, and essentially keeps everyone happy. He's someone who's very good at keeping a side happy. So I don't know if Ancelotti is the kind of manager where you can think, you know what, we will absolutely go to be the invincible team this season. If he can, can, can if he can construct that side and make that team into what it, uh, that mould, then I imagine that he'd be very comfortable to do that. But at the same time, I don't think Ancelotti ever sort of sets out in a season with these sort of goals. I think he's a much more... I think he's a manager of nuance in that sense. Um, a, because mm. he's Italian, and B, because I think he just comes with such experience. And if you hear about his influence in the training ground, in the dressing room, and at times almost just how naturally things seem to form as opposed to how constructed th- things feel with Pep Guardiola, I think he's the perfect guy to transition away. But at the same time, I think results like this are probably expected in that time because of this sort of contrast in style. By Munich. Still top those 16 points after six games. Three points ahead of Hertha Berlin in second. Borussia Dortmund missed a chance to go within a point of Munich. Uh, they're in third place at the moment after losing to, to Leverkusen. 2-0, Chris. Um, Thomas Tuchel apparently not happy with the physical approach of Leverkusen. I, I must confess I didn't see the game. Um... Well, that's the end of that. Well, um, yeah, but I mean, Cologne. essentially it's, a, it's another opportunity lost. Uh, whereas Red Bull Leipzig, well, well, well. Go on. They're everyone's favourite at the moment. Oh, I, I didn't see the everyone game, I must them. confess. Oh. <laughs> everyone loves them anyway. Everyone, everyone loves, loves them anyway. Uh, why do people love them because they're everyone's favourite wankers? Because, because, I think because they stir up so much debate and it's it's almost, I think some see it as like a moral compass for every football fan because you either become very idealistic about it and say, it's a disgrace, you know, they've essentially harvested the carcass of what was a long-standing football team. And then there are those that think, isn't this brilliant? It's like football. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
manager, but in real life with real players, and it's something to hitch yourself onto and enjoy. Because the, the the funny thing is, I I actually did a piece on this in May when they were promoted, and kind of delved into the the German opinion on it, and it really does split down the middle. There are those who think it's a disgrace. There are also those that think it's very good for East German football, which suffered heavily when the country was split through the the Berlin Wall era and all that kind of stuff. And I can almost find myself sitting very much on the middle because I see why to some people it is quite plastic and leaves a sour taste because in many ways it's not like Hoffenheim it's not someone coming into the place that they love and building the team up like a football manager would do you know with your local non-league team and yet on the flip side I do think that if you can have a team that genuinely has the ambition and the infrastructure and the wherewithal to challenge Bayern Munich based on the last three four years of German football you have to encourage that because for me Germany has really become a hegemony yeah. At its at its peak, and that's not fun. It's just not. But again, people say, "Why do you like MLS?" It's usually because there's a different winner every year. Mm. That's honestly one of the reasons. Mm. Yeah, I do, yeah, I do. I do also think that would be really interesting, is because obviously MLS finishes in a certain ways. It's a league system, but not really a league system. Um, it would be so interesting to see if a similar thing. Well, I suppose that is Champions League in Europe, really, isn't it? Syria also shaping up going into the international break. Looking familiar, though, uh, Juventus top of the table, pulling four points clear. Napoli uh, suffering their first defeat um, at Atlanta. Yeah. Um, anyone and seen any of those games? Any I, comments well, I, on I saw, the I saw, goings on? I saw the highlights uh, of yeah. uh, AC Milan Sassuolo. Um, oh, oh. Very exciting game and really fantastic goals as well. Um what I, I can't remember. I don't know. Uh, do you say it? Loca. Locatelli. Locatelli? Is it Locatelli, Locatelli or Locatelli? Had an absolute uh, locomotive of a, a foot. Um, when was, I came here to talk about Milan. <laughs> um, it, it really what it, it was just a, it was a really great uh, game. And yeah, I'm, I'm really loving the diversity in the league. I think since Italian football has opened up from what it was just a couple of seasons ago, which seemed a lot more inherently conservative. Um, um, it's a really fascinating league. Like it's making it so much more attractive. Mm. Although you've got to admit that part of the, part of the attractiveness has been the fact that AC Milan have fallen and it's opened it up to so many other teams because the hegemony is essentially gone. Uh, you know, obviously apart from the Juventus, but you know, it, it, yeah. it's been challenged. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but before it was literally Juve Milan, Juve Milan, Juve Milan, sometimes Inter. And now there seems to be a lot more diversity in the league. That's... And Locatelli cried as well when he scored. That was really yeah. sweet. Oh, yeah, that was nice. Uh, and, um, uh, and obviously uh, having a goalkeeper who's about five uh, is absolutely fantastic for my life. <laughs> five, yeah. Yeah, that was, the, uh, that was the mad thing, was watching uh, Donnarumma talk to, to Locatelli afterwards as if he's some experienced veteran when really I think he's younger than him. He is. Yeah, he absolutely is. And also <laughs> I think what's fascinating um, in Italy this season is um, obviously, uh, Inter Milan is fascinating because uh, that they're on a whole new uh, hit, if you like. What I am really fascinated by, though, is the fact that Lazio are just a side that seem rejuvenated, um, and no one really likes Lazio because they're so affiliated with the right. Not outside of the country, anyway. 
Another and yet they're team. in danger of being left behind. Another team who seem rejuvenated, Lawrence, you might say. Arguably. Yep. Chelsea. Going back to the Premier League. A 2-0 win over Hull City. Kante putting in a great performance. Matic putting in a great performance. Do you think this ends some of the question marks that were over Antonio Conte and the, the way Chelsea are playing? I don't or is think this so, just no. uh, go on? Well, I just... I just think that it has to be more consistent you know the Premier League is mm. um, so inconsistent at the moment um, they uh, having again I haven't been away I'm surprised at how I was expecting a lot more from Chelsea I think when Conte came in there was a lot of excitement about how he's going to get the best out of these players there were rumblings that you know will his style work you know like we, we mentioned when he got hired the hammer as he's called in Italy that sort of approach of some of these these players, some of these egos at Chelsea, maybe arguably it hasn't had the impact that Chelsea fans were hoping. A lot of criticism like Gary Cahill, a lot of discontent there. A lot of people mixed, and I certainly mixed it. I I thought he'd be great for whipping this team uh, into shape. But I think Mm. a lot of people have reacted poorly to the whipping. Um, At least from the outside, it looks that way. There are some players who look motivated in some games, less motivated in others. Others, Hazard, uh, Diego Costa looks like a player inspired at times, but there are other times where he overreacts or reacts in a very negative way. And it's that living on the edge with Conte, which I think uh, we always said would sort of burn the team out, but it seems if very early on they're burning so brightly that it's almost difficult to miss them. Uh, It's supernova-esque, if you like. Um, And that's the problem, is it doesn't seem very balanced. Chris was talking, though, about you were talking about Guardiola earlier and these new managers coming in needing time to implement their systems. I mean, we've seen how well it can work if they're given time. with Pochettino and Klopp, like we mentioned earlier, with Conte, though, does he just need more time to figure out uh, the, the right system, the best players, how to get the best out of his team? Chris? I, I've, I've got to be brutally honest. I think there's a massive talent issue there. I don't think the players are very good. The, you, I, I think they'll have good days. I think they'll have some bad days. I just look at that squad and I think I, I said this already so apologies if I'm repeating myself to go out and spend 40 million on David Luiz when you know exactly what he was like and what his deficiencies were last time stinks of a, a team and an organisation that was not prepared adequately for this summer But Chris you, can you also contrast that by saying that they think they have one of the best coaches in the league who can therefore coach a player but then I guess it's like fitting a square peg into a round hole pushing it in with a triangular thing it's like Conte is Conte is a fantastic coach, but he needs players who have discipline, and uh, and Luis is a fantastic player, but he has no discipline. It, exactly. I mean, look, I, I personally would have tried to get a defender that was on the the cheaper side, but you overpaid for. If that makes sense, so someone like Michael Keane, someone that would probably cost you about twenty million, but at least if he did tank. You took the risk and the financial loss is significantly less. With David Luiz, you're going to have that inconsistency pretty much throughout the season. And I just don't think it's worth it. And and as I've, you know, as I've said elsewhere, for me, you look at their summer business and you look at the summer business that did the year they won the title under Mourinho and how roundly praised that year it was because they got mm. Fabregas. They needed a number 10. They got Fabregas. It worked brilliantly. This year, they knew what they needed they need a left-back, they need a centre-back, arguably maybe a few other positions as well. They managed to get a good central midfielder in Kante. Yeah, the centre-back, the left-back, they're just very overpriced middle-of-the-road options. 
That's that's the problem, and I think they're, the they're caught in a. Dif- well, I was going to say I think they're caught in a difficult spot at the minute because they've got this lone army that we keep talking about, yeah. and the problem is the players that were once reliable, I think, are now a year too old. So the likes of Ivanovic, Matic, etc., yeah. and the ones who should be coming in to fill that role are a year too young. So essentially, it's just a very poorly organised transition from Chelsea. That's that's the real issue. Is that the club's hierarchy, Emanuel, or whoever you want to blame, hasn't orchestrated a very smooth transition for them at all. I've rarely as well seen supporters give their own players harder time as Chelsea are giving to Gary Cahill right now. They absolutely despise yeah, I find that Gary Cahill. Really, yeah, that, I do find that unusual. They hate it. Yeah. Um, and I'm having a great time with it. Um, but Chelsea obviously back 20 ways after being without a win in three. It will be interesting to see if they can sustain that after the international break. Elsewhere, Sunderland, Chris, yet to win a game. Uh, losing, well, drawing to West Brom. So at least improving in that respect. Are they going to threaten Derby, do you reckon, for the, the lowest points tally? Or is that too soon to uh, start making such uh, wild aspersions? No, they they employ a Scandinavian approach. Their season starts in March. Um, <laughs> it, it again with Sunderland. It's not just the transition that's the issue. It's what came before and what's likely to come after. It's it's a very poorly run football club, to be blunt. And I, I personally have been quite mellow in terms of uh, my opinions on it. I think it's a disgrace. I think you look at the people who've been at that football club, who've taken a salary from that football club, for the most part, have been absolute wasters. And it's really not fair on a group of supporters that stick by them, that put money in, money that they don't necessarily have, and year on year, they get shit, for want of a better word. They go out and, I mean, just look at the, the Ricky Alvarez situation. The club thought they were trying to be smart and thought they could send Ricky Alvarez back using some loophole and now it's looking increasingly like Cass is going to come down and demand that they pay 10.5 million but they don't get to keep the player he's now at Sampdoria and they're not going to be able to get him back so that's that's 10.5 million wasted now that could have been used to buy Jan Veer in the summer but again they chose not to do that deal they tried to be too smart Sunderland for me have operated as a, a football club and I'm almost tempted to partition the supporters away from this like it's not mm. their fault they're just the ch- children of a bad home they've made so many decisions where they've tried to be smarter than the market and been made to look very very stupid whether it's the the summer in which Di Canio gets these 14 free transfers from all around Europe whether it's buying players like Rodwell and Johnson who are just overinflated English players it's just ridiculous, and it's it's really at this point. Never mind what the fans deserve. It's just criminal to see the same people in those jobs every year. Ellis Short wants the best by them. I've, I've been in his company very briefly, and he does love the place. But he keeps trying to do too much and trying to take too much on board when he just doesn't really know what he's doing. It's hard to to see them not finally going down this season the way things are going. They they managed to end. They run a free straight defeat with the draw against West Brom, and they managed to avoid the worst ever start to a Premier League season, which they would have held the record for if they had have lost. I mean, are there any signs of hope in that respect, Chris? That you know they've got Jordan Pickford, who's a promising young goalkeeper. They managed to come back, as it were. Jermaine Defoe's still there. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel, or is this game over? List good things. Jordan, Jordan Pickford's very talented. 
I, I think I don't think he'll go the same way as Ben Anik. Um to, to mention a name from the past. I think he, he really has talent and I think he will have a long career in the top flight. Whether that's with Sutherland, I'm not entirely sure. In in terms of positives, I think the positives they can take are they are a fairly unified fan base. There's not much division amongst it. They do still have Jermaine Defoe. Um, oh. And I will admit, I wasn't the greatest fan of, of his signing. When it, it didn't seem like a very shrewd long-term deal. But at the minute, he's, he's the best option they've got. Along with Van Arnholt, I think Ndong looks a decent player, Kirchhoff. They've got decent little components. The, the, so my frustration for Sunderland stems from the fact that I never feel like they're close to achieving their potential. Mm. It feels like they're always just doing the bare minimum to get by. Mm. But it's doing like... it's such an exerted effort in those last few weeks that it means the summer is then just trying to claw back that extra 10 yards. It feels like... Thought was a good appointment, but it seems like he, even he's surprised. Like you say, the, the way the clubs run, he seems to be almost taken aback by how things are done there. Um, a lot of caveats came out, came out quite early, didn't they? Yeah, a lot. Um, it was interesting to see him sort of um, to. We're going down. Sort of shift, not shift the blame almost, but you know, to to, to set out his stall. And I mean, he blamed his players again this weekend for the defeat. In terms of West Brom, there briefly, Lawrence, obviously. Uh, Tony Pulis, again, a lot of criticism last season. A lot of fans weren't happy with him. This season, they've been performing relatively well. They've only lost two games. Only one, two, to be fair. But signings like Nasa Chadley bringing hope to West Brom that doesn't exist at Saison. Well, I mean, yeah, I also think that it's um, it's that it feels like the club's moving in a direction. You know, they're talking about the takeover. Um, a lot of people actually thought that uh, Pulis would leave uh, post-takeover just because... Yeah. I mean, I certainly did because, you know, you want something to appease the fans. I think a few people heard rumblings um, of what was of what was going to happen, that the, the new owners were looking to impress the fans and were looking to impress themselves upon the club. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes, you know, like Chris was saying with Bob Bradley, um, yeah, it, sometimes it's good to come in, assess what's going on and, and steady the ship uh, before, or at least check what course the ship is on if it doesn't need steadying and and for me i think that that's what they've done quite nicely um west brom their main goal was to stop being a yo-yo side and to stop being a yo-yo side you have to stop going up and down so let's call that a successful goal Mm. speaking of yo-yo leicester and southampton drawing nil-nil leicester's struggles continuing chris um these transitions transitions, aren't you yeah, Rusty. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> yeah, yo-yos, the table, um, the top of the, the top table, of the table now the middle, up, yeah, yeah. up and down, that sort of makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Leicester 12, Chris, uh, with eight points. Um, what you made of their start of the season, obviously, uh, I've heard a little bit of what you've been saying, but in terms of Leicester, I mean, everyone seemed to be calling this, the fact that they wouldn't be able to sustain what their, their, their incredible <laughs> achievement last season. I, 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 sorry, I'm not laughing at you. It's, it's the idea everyone calls this once-in-a-lifetime occurrence no, no. would not be sustainable <laughs> yeah this supernova is not going to stay up there for days is it? i was just hoping i was just hoping they wouldn't come true because it was like oh yeah they won the title yeah that's amazing but yeah next time i want to brag but next i knew they'll be would mid-season. slam off the floor when he tried to get that high <laughs> everyone was oh next season they'll be mid-table you know they're, they're not gonna be able to sustain it it's it's, it's sad almost that that's is almost coming to pass they've, they've managed to win two games but three defeats two draws seen them slip into that 12th position it's not it's not disgraceful, though, is it? Even though they are the champions. Uh, no, it's not. You're right. It's, it's really not. Um, I, I think 
I think they've struggled most with the fact that their their image has changed drastically. Um, mm. We talked about this last year that as time progressed, more and more teams suffered from sort of arrogance and ignorance when playing yes. Leicester, thinking that they wouldn't fall into the same trap as others. And then by the time people had rumbled them, it was kind of already too far gone. Um, teams are standing off them a lot more now. I also think that the, the players that, that did really excel for them last year, the likes of Mares and Vardy, have regressed to, to the mean. I don't think the seasons they had last year were the start of a wonderful career. I think they were the peak of them, if I'm if I'm brutally honest. Um, Mara is probably less so. I think he can maybe still grow a little bit more. But overall, I, I think, honestly, even the signings they made, the likes of uh, Musa and such, it was attempting to just add more of the same to what they had. So Musa is very similar to Vardy, whereas, and again, it's just my opinion, and, and maybe I'm speaking with a degree of hindsight, I would have tried to add versatility to the squad, not repeat the same, because... I feel, I feel like maybe they... Maybe doing they thought he would add a bit more do you not think they thought he'd add a bit more limiting your options mm. do you not think that he, they thought he'd add a bit more though chris as opposed to uh i don't know how can i put it i think they thought ahmed musa was bring something different and then he's being played in a position where maybe he won't bring something different um possibly like i said i mean you look at slomani he, he's essentially a replacement for uh Ujoa. The, the, the Argentinian again I, I just don't think let's for argument's sake and this is a very ropey argument say that Leicester weren't allowed to play 4-4-2 how do they then line up I don't think it looks nearly as convincing as a 4-2-3-1 or something yeah, like that absolutely, yeah. they, they're, they're very they're very regimented in the way they play and last season that was one of their greatest strengths because it bred a consistent consistency that meant they built a fluency and that's something that we don't talk about enough is that actually as daft as and simple as it sounds playing with the same people next to you every week hmm. makes that experience significantly easier as time progresses that big strength has now become a weakness because teams know how they are going to play know hmm. how they're going to attack them and you add into that the slight change in Premier League rules relating to kind of grappling and, and what you can legally do to an opponent that's really hampered them. There was a there was a few instances when I watched Leicester last season, and I watched the likes of Hooth specifically, really manhandle the opposition and get away with borderline murder in the penalty box. And nothing was nothing was said, nothing was done. There was a few decisions even that went Leicester's way that were the odd offside here, or there was maybe a foul in the build up. And like I say, it's it's it was a perfect storm last season in so many ways, and. It's not as much the wheels are falling off at this point as, you know, it's, it's just regressing to where it should be. Talking about wheels falling off. Good. Does, that, does that work? Yeah. Work? Yeah, no, it absolutely does. The, we, one the wheels, on wheels on. back on because they've stopped a run of four defeats. They drew against Middlesbrough. Mitch Pyatt with the goal of the season, air quotes apparently already. Um, it was all right. Now, I've been watching this from... Yeah, it was, yeah, it was all right. It wasn't bad. Um, I've still been watching this one from afar, Chris. Everyone's been sort of talking about them, the stadium trouble, of course, which is never ending. Um, but on the pitch, uh-huh. Slavin Bilic, is he going to be the man to turn it around? He looks bereft of ideas, to be honest. He doesn't seem to understand why they're performing so badly. 
Well, it's you could argue it's a very similar problem to, to Leicester um, in the sense that last season was a peak and then to draw another comparison, you look at Chelsea and the poor window they had. Uh, I think West Ham had... I don't think it was for lack of spending. I think they spent a fairly hefty amount of money. It was how, how they... first choice striker um, I'm still a little bit surprised they didn't shell out for Christian Benteke um, because I think he would have been the, the ideal candidate for them you look elsewhere on the team the likes of Gok and Tor there was talk um, or I was told by someone with with knowledge of the deal um, that they tried to get Peony Sisto um, and were very far down the line with Peony Sisto in fact but in the end, opted to get Gokken Tor, who was someone that Billich knows from his time at Besiktas. He's a Chelsea youngster, funnily enough, to, to strengthen that comparison. Um, and he looks really average. Um, and I'm not one for really slating players. He does look lots of hard effort and not much end product. So it's it's a bad mixture of situations. On top of the fact, and I'm not sure if people really talk about this, that team moving to the Olympic Stadium... You are putting a lot of players that I imagine have never played in a stadium that mm. into a brand new situation. And I imagine if everything doesn't go swimmingly, it can feel like a real chasm. It can feel like a very empty, negative place to play football in. Um, I also think that having seen some of the responses from West Ham fans, because of course they're floating around the internet um, like a wind in the breeze, they're being a little bit overdramatic. Um, I, I wasn't hearing these same discussions last year when everything was going swimmingly. Yeah, because again, when I left, it was all sunshine and rainbows. Moving into the new stadium, it was all a, a new era. All of a sudden, it's all gone. It's all gone Pete Tong, ain't it? Belly up. Um, yeah, it's all gone. Yeah, I mean, part, but, part of it is also, do you think, um, especially, I think that's part of the problem, especially with fan channels and stuff. They almost rely on the sen- after a while. They almost rely on the sensationalism, and it feels a bit like if your club does have a huge problem for a while, when that then quietens down, or you know you don't have the same influence, or you know, God, the views might be going down because not as many people are coming across. You know, you don't have the perspective, and suddenly I'm not going to you know, be able God, to pay these to be fair anymore. Well, I can't and say you shouldn't have paid for them at all. The problems aren't. The issues aren't just being sort of spoken about by fan channels or th- those sort of outlets. You know, there is trouble in the stadium, the trouble outside the stadiums. There's all this sort of stuff going on, this perfect storm almost of, of negative headlines on and off the pitch. It does seem to be quite a drastic um, turnaround from the start of the season, essentially, when it was hmm. uh, so I mean, incredibly optimistic. I mean, Lawrence talks about the fan channels. I, I watched um, one. On, yeah. and they talked about some um, and they, they rejected Robert Spencer um, and they, they added up basically the transfers and argued that loans don't count because that's your prerogative um, now what I said to Lawrence at the time was what I think gets lost sometimes in amongst all this discussion is you can spend 60 million but only spend 30 agents you have to pay yeah. wages there are a myriad of other costs involved and I think the transfer as a whole as a concept has become incredibly simplified as time has progressed and yet it's almost quite ironic because if you look at the games 
video games, excuse me, that portray this like football manager, they've become more complex and opened you up to that world and what it actually entails. And yet, for some reason, people still go, well, he only cost 20 million. Where's the other 20 million that was in the budget? Ironically, it was probably because the most popular game, FIFA, you only have to pay the older, you, you pay the upfront cost, you don't have to pay wages or anything like that. It's all about that initial fee, you know. He cost me this much. Doesn't people don't think about that? Um, or on Pro Evolution, like Soccer, said, the they agents. don't even have the right to use pounds, you know. There you go, mate. Do you have the right to use Barcelona now? Apparently, I think they bought. Oh, that. mate, I played the game the um, other day. There's going to be a video up on the channel. Thank you. Were yeah. on pairs or FIFA? On pe- on pairs and FIFA. Were no right. What, Pez versus FIFA? Uh, no, mate. I'm not a simpleton. Oh. You, you'd call that clickbait, mate. Yeah, you'd call that base click. Yeah. Briefly, Pez six. Is it Pez oh, Pro Evolution six? Was... The one with Adriano on the front. That what was your favourite one? What was your favourite one? That's was everyone's, it Pez? That's everyone's. That's everyone's favourite. Definitely Pez. Was four, uh, when, was four when it was John Terry versus um, Thierry Henry. Of course, the one where they had Ruigi. They had cleaner. <laughs> there was the one who had a Kalina on the front as well. The, the rest. Yes, that was Pez. Yeah, Classic. Pez two, um, let's finish briefly on Watford 2, Bournemouth 2. Jack Wilshire taking the headlines because, ironically, he couldn't finish twice. Apparently. Couldn't finish in 90 minutes. Uh, missed. I felt a bit sorry for him. People were saying he couldn't finish that chance. I mean, people being unfair there, Lawrence. What was the chance that he created himself? Yeah, it's just like, oh, it's difficult, you know? Difficult, like, difficult. Oh, Jack like Wilsh is rubbish. I feel like Jam- you know? Jack Wilsh is a bit damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, you know? Yeah. Like right now, at least. I, I, I don't even like Jack Wilsh, and I felt a bit sorry for him. Well, yeah, you end up feeling a bit sorry for him when someone portrays yeah. you wrong. Uh, I, I, uh, essentially, what people are alluding to is the fact that he's not lived up to the expectation. Because the fact is that playing for Bournemouth is in itself, for, for him inherently, a problem because he, he wants to be playing for Arsenal. You know, he's, I think it's a good. Wasn't it? He didn't. He suggest that you go that. No, I understand he that. Was but I think a lot of people still sort of feel. I, 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 I'm not, I think it's hard to say it without sounding disrespectful to Bournemouth. But you totally yeah. know what I mean when I say Jack Wilshere should not be at Bournemouth right now. Although maybe maybe uh, that's what yeah, I know you mean. That's what that's, uh, that's... I think. I think people maybe are wrong, and it's probably a bad yeah. judgment on the of league overall because actually maybe people gave him too much um, impetus in the beginning, but. I still think that there are elements or people who are a little bit disappointed or want to see a little bit more. They expect him to go there and almost be like a, a, yeah. a, 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 a almost like um, a, one of the MLS players who are, what do you got, a designated um, A marquee player, player. A marquee player or a de- one of the designated players, if you like, in MLS. But he's, again, judging him for that miss, I mean, he's, he's building up his fitness. I think he's... I, I, I admire that decision to go out on board. You could have sat on the bench at Arsenal and gone, no, yeah, I'll try again. But for him to go to Bournemouth, I think it's a good decision. And hopefully, you know, he'll be able to, uh, to, to build his career back up because he was a player of such Pretty progress. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other business that you wish to discuss before we end the podcast, Lawrence? What about or questions? Chris? Didn't we ask for so many questions this week? We can do some quick fire questions. We have got some good questions coming on the Twitter. Yeah. Um, first up, I'll send this one in the absence of Dave. I'll send this one to you, Lawrence. Yeah. Um, will Manchester United finish in the top four? Says Connor four seven nine eight eight two one five. Ooh, I think Mourinho will hit form at just the right time. I do think they probably end, will end up there. Yes. Mm, okay. Um, Gary, <laughs> this I should really read this out. Gary Gold said, "Tell Adam never fucking leave the podcast." <laughs> As I was saying before, it's like porn without sound. He is the X Factor. I think we already replied to that one. Adam, stop creating it's your fine. own accounts. 
It's not me. It's like porn it's without the, sound. Yeah. So apparently, according to Gary Goes, um, I think that's my dad, is it? Um, <laughs> We've got very different viewing habits. <laughs> we, we also have very Gibbs. different fathers. Let's put it that way. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, Ryan Gibson said, whilst you were gone, Adam, who did you miss the most? Statman Dave Loscast or Kristen Hennage? Right. I couldn't possibly pick. It's like Sophie's choice. Oh, Adam. You know? Who the fuck Sophie? Adam, um, you and I spend so much time together, whereas you spend mm. barely any time with Dave, barely any time with Chris. Right, I'd and be yeah, upset if you missed me. me the most. Can yeah. you believe it? Yeah, I missed Chris the most. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Very strange. Um, here's an interesting one. Um, I'm not quite sure to throw it to because I'm definitely not the man to answer this one. Barack said, "Thoughts on the Turkish national team and Galatasaray." Ooh. Great podcast, by the can way. We, can we do take a, a range of research on, on the Turkish national team and do that during the international break? Yes, thank you. Great shout. Yes, excellent. Um, Gabrielle said how good is gonzalo piguain now i don't know if you see what he's done there but he's changed the, the h to a p um because gonzalo higuain is a pig apparently has that changed in, in the last six weeks as well no in fact and in fact i was going to ask you uh, gonzalo gonzalo piguain is still good um but adam i was going to ask you yes uh do you feel like you've gotten better looking while you were away <laughs> well, maybe you should say that. I know people go away; they sort of discover themselves a little bit, you know. Uh, you know, well, see the world, you come back, a man of the world. Do I feel like I've got better looking? Yeah, I feel. You know, maybe you grew a little beard. You, I can't believe you didn't grow a little. No, beard. there was no beard. No, there's no beard. I can't grow a beard. My facial hair is is a travesty, okay. to be honest. Um, but I did. There was a, someone sent me a comment from the, the football rep while I was gone, saying, "I think it said, where is Adam Boldwood?" He looks just like the fat Adam Lallana. I was like, to that effect. Which I was like, I was kind of like, oh, okay, I'll take it. I was like, you know what, did, I'll take that. You know? Did, did they uh, attach headshots for you to evaluate? Yeah. I don't know, no, of, course not, of course not. <laughs> I thought, you know what, I'll take that Adam Lallana. He's, he's a good looking bloke, you know, if I'm a slightly uh, inflated version of him. I wonder which branch of Abercrombie and Fitch he sent that from. <laughs> yeah. Um, question here, this is a good Well, we should probably address it. In, the, in, the, in Wednesday's podcast but briefly Chris Martinas Dezugas sorry for butchering your name said Glenn Johnson for England crying emoji crying emoji crying emoji applause applause emojis Gareth Southgate I'm not going to lie my, my arse fell out my trousers when you said that name because I thought I've got no idea who that is yeah uh, I thought that was what you were asking me about you thought it was going to be an obscure European <laughs> Martin Dezugas uh, what's he like as a player it's like oh well he's, he's your bog standard every day type of good lad good lad Glenn, on and off the Glenn field Johnson Chris um, he's been good exactly... at Stoke apparently that's, that's what Stoke fan was telling me the other day he's, he's actually he's been not too bad what I have Gareth to, Southgate's what reasoning I, was um, experience he yeah. said England lacked experience a, therefore Glenn Johnson's in surely there could have been a, a a better option it's a, it's a strange one I've got to say because as yeah. soon as I was like wow, why is everyone why is everyone uh, piling in on Southgate already what's he done now and as soon as you check you're like oh, actually that's a, that's a weird one is it also because I think he, Nathaniel Klein's not in the team Nathaniel Klein's not in the squad and so you'd sort of say who's your next best who's your next best right back after Nathaniel Klein in the league Kyle Walker um, yeah, but you it, mean after yeah exactly Kyle Walker is obviously ahead of the clients no no but that's what I'm yeah. saying is so then uh, obviously it goes obviously it goes Walker but then it goes Klein but then who's the next one so if Klein's out then you're still going to need another Adam, right back Adam Smith yeah I'm Adam Smith is a good shot actually yeah, he's yeah. he's 20 is he 26 27 I think Adam Smith I know he did one of the, the reality people from Essex oh good <laughs> 
Um, Flav Bateman himself of Ball Street and Fighting Cock fame yeah. says, can Spurs wrap up the league by February, Lawrence? Um, <laughs> to then present it to Arsenal. <laughs> um, yeah. um, I would say... Uh, I would say no, and I'd say it's an unrealistic question, Flav. I wouldn't expect anything less. I think you, I um, think you did it on purpose. Disappointing, it? I think, is a question. Um, I think, I think, though, I think Spurs will challenge now, having having seen them. Interesting. Yeah, I think they'll challenge. February, they'll be optimistic. I'd say. Let's say um, April. Here is to finish off his three centric questions about me because my ego is. Huge. Sam Nash said, what have you guys missed most oh, about yeah, hashtag Boatwood? What have you missed most about me, Lawrence? Uh, your presenting skills, uh, your voice, uh, the fact yeah. that you tweet out before the podcast, which most people forget to do. So um, you also have quite tidy <laughs> tweets, whereas I'm more of a sporadic sort of less tidy tweeter. Um, yeah, good stuff. You organize things quite nicely. You've got a good voice. Oh, thank you. Um, All right, you just good yeah, looking. Sometimes you buy blush, me a coffee. Right? Sometimes you buy me a coffee, which I quite miss because, um, if I'm honest, while you're away, Rob didn't buy me any coffees. Um, a little. Uh, and you are sometimes good to spoon. Excellent, uh, Chris. What have you missed most about uh, me? <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah, what Lawrence said. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Coffees especially. Um, <laughs> here is a question from ah the main man John Sheen says welcome back best moment of your trip guys if you ever get the opportunity to go to Machu Picchu I know it's uh, I know it's uh, a <laughs> cliche it's something everyone does just go that's all I'll say I really thought you were going to say something different well what's the chance say? to do cork with three hookers yeah. and your girlfriend <laughs> let me tell you guys do not turn that down do not turn it down I'll tell you what uh, Adam if you ever get the chance to take your girlfriend up to Machu Picchu it is a treat <laughs> Wait, lads, lads, lads. This will get us top of iTunes. Final. Ooh, a little dig because he's already he's angry about not being the we only Geordie in my life. We are top of iTunes. Lawrence McKenna is. Are you currently top of the iTunes chart? Not anymore. Is mate, it right it, now? It, it, no. If we, With the True Geordie podcast, which means technically we are by association. No. Techni- I mean, yeah, technically you built my career up to the, a point where you, the front three, are the. Yes, yeah, so we all are. We and, are number one. But you guys will also yeah. be there for my dapper laughs moment. So, you know. In the, uh, in the same oh way God. that Lenny Pidgeley is a, a Premier League winner. It, what are you, wait, are you saying that I'm Lenny Pidgeley? No. Okay. We are the Lenny Pidgeley. Right, okay. So you're Chelsea. Right. I'm going to finish on. <laughs> Don't worry, this is all your success. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm going to finish I, on. Chris, I can't move. Get off my coattails. <laughs> K- you, you ride this booking bronco that is success. <laughs> yeah. K Oak on Twitter says, Welcome back, Adam. Thank you very much, K Oak. Welcome back. He said, Have you guys seen the transfer window board game my mates are making? Now, I'll tweet this out from the front free account later on. But essentially, it looks like uh, these two Liverpool fans are making a parody uh, of the uh, deadline day of the transfer window as a board game, and you can support it. To, to make it a reality. Very is is one of um, the is one of the options um bid forty million and a pound for the player. I bloody well hope so. If it's not then I will not be contributing uh to the, the, the crowdfunding <laughs> exercise. But uh, You've earned a meeting we... with some men in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> Rule of six to attend. Be very careful of what you say. <laughs> <laughs> this could be I like this idea a lot though, so thank you so much for, for sending this in. Um 
Everyone who donates, donates £15 will receive a copy of the game with options to donate larger amounts as well. Any surplus money made from the exercise will be noted to donated sorry to Alder Hay Hospital. Oh, lovely. Lovely okay, fair idea. enough. I was going to make a joke then that it was some sort of pyramid scheme, but um, you, you know what? <laughs> I, I absolutely endorse it. I think it. I'm going to contribute because I, I, I like the look of it. That could be a front-free video. You, you know, know what we could future? make? Uh, you know what we probably could make a video out of that. There probably is a yeah. full series of us just playing the game. <laughs> it sounds fantastic. I thought, I thought you meant uh, where the money really went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will. Uh, I'll tweet that out later on. But um, guys, do go and check it out if you like the look of it. Support it. I think I'm going to support it because I like the look of that. It looks like good fun. Um, for now, though, guys, that is the end of the front-free. Thank you hold so on, much hold on, hold on, hold for on. listening. We haven't spoken about the 13-year-old that's played football. Oh, Chris, speak to me about 13-year-olds. <laughs> oh, not again <laughs> be careful be very careful uh, he plays for Celtic does he now what's his name his name is Karamoko Dembele ooh another Dembele uh, and he came on for the Celtic development squad under 20s against Hearts this evening 13 13 what? Well done, he's 13. Oh, let's see that bit. What were you... He's a top, 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 top player. What were you doing when you were 13? Eh? Well, I definitely wasn't playing for the Celtic under-20s, that's for sure. You were at Rangers, weren't you? I was, yeah. <laughs> I was at Dumbarton. Um, I, Who's uh, the, is it, does that count? That's not a, It wasn't a professional match. It was a... No, no, it was, an, it was, for, the, it was for the under-20s, yeah. yeah. Who is the... Here's a question. Who is the youngest Premier League player of all time who is the lad that did not make the bench because of him all right there's two questions going and, and why is he you know and why is the answer stood near a bridge yeah um <laughs> are, are you saying the youngest premier league player ever adam who is the youngest premier league player ever uh if you get it right i'll buy you are you know the answer i know the answer the youngest premier league player ever the youngest debut you know the youngest Youngest player to play. I think I remember. My it was in it was in two thousand seven that he made his debut as the youngest player. I think I remember. It's definitely not who I'm thinking. Uh, oh, I know who it is. He <gasps> bloody played for Fulham. Matthew, what's his name? Left back. Ooh. Was it Matthew Biggs? <gasps> Matthew Biggs. <gasps> Biggs. Fylaza. Fylaza. I don't think his name was Biggs. I know who he is. I can see him in my... It's Final answer, Lawrence. Yeah, I'm going to go Matthew. Ma- Matthew... Uh, the ne- for I'm some not... reason, the name Biggs uh, rings... I'm a... afraid, Lawrence, you're way off the mark. Way off. <sighs> who it was, was it? Matthew Briggs. <laughs> you twat. <laughs> Miles away. Um, unlucky, Lawrence. Better luck next time. Uh, Matthew Briggs was the youngest ever Premier League debutant. 16 years, 2 months and 7 days. Interesting. Go. Who who yeah, is next? Where he is now? Uh, Asaya Brown from West Bromwich Albion. And who's oh, after that? He's, he's, he's now Aaron Lennon for Leeds United. Oh, interesting. And do you know the person who's after that? Uh, this I, I could go down this whole exactly. list in go my brain, but we won't. In my brain, um, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Fun Free. It's been a pleasure to be back speaking to Lawrence and Kristen to be speaking to you guys, of course, as well. If you enjoy the podcast, do go and rate and review it on iTunes. Helps us a lot to get some way closer to Lawrence's number one rated yeah, podcast number one, with the true Geordie. Um, 
if you do enjoy the podcast, do go and rate and review because you could be coming out the week on Wednesday when we're going to be back discussing the international break and taking your questions once again. For now, though, Lawrence, where can the good people find you until then? Eating a grape. Um, Fantastic. Uh, so to speak. Um, mm. No, quite literally eating a grape, um, so to speak. I was going to say... True Geordie Pocket. No, uh, I'm going to say go find us on. Uh, that doesn't need any more help, believe me. Uh, go find me on uh, My Dad Wrote a Porno. It's a great podcast. Ooh, great podcast. Yeah. Were you on Um No, I wasn't. I, you know, I wish I was. It's probably the best podcast. I just start listening. He's in their esteemed company now, Chris. He's he he is in the esteemed uh, company. Of the number one the podcast. Yeah, there are very few yeah. people who have made. There's the, doors opening for Lawrence now. Adam, Closed in his face before. Adam, yeah, no one, no one opened the door. I was knocking, yeah. knocking, and it, it, I had to, they, they opened the door, they slammed it, and they face. went, "Are you new and noteworthy?" And I said, "No," and they said, "Well, fuck off." Um, and then I became, uh, I, I alone, I and I alone, Chris, I'm the only new and noteworthy person on this podcast. Heed me, Oof, Chris. Dean his generations, Dean Gaffney, Lawrence McKenna. <laughs> some, people Chris, me, you, some people call me. Some people call me Michael Barrymore. Oh God! Are you doing anything uh, new and noteworthy, Chris, to, to let the the good people know that? Uh, I've, I've just finished something on Bob Bradley. Fantastic! Very tired um, for Very tired. Yahoo. Um, I'm think I'm speaking to a couple of former players of his as well tomorrow. Oh. Should be nice. Other than that, nothing springs to mind. There you go. Journalism, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, go and check out Chris's stuff. You can follow him on Twitter at K Hennage to check out those articles. Adam, have you become a travel blogger? No, I'm I'm, pl- I'm Hash, plugging hashtag it. Hashtag travel. You and Luke I'm, Hall. I'm pl- I'm pl- who the hell's Luke? Oh, yes. Um, He's also been new and noteworthy at one point. Your disrespect on this podcast to famous sorry. podcasters, mate, isn't it? Reach an all-time low. <laughs> I just want to be new and noteworthy. It's, it's my one ambition Never in life. Never going to happen, mate. Um, Never going to happen. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for listening to The Front Free. We'll see you on Wednesday. Bye. Adios, as they say. Ooh, good. Hey, someone said, oh, yeah. hashtag hey, travel. I'm fluent, mate. Hashtag, hashtag Google travel. Translate. Hashtag, hashtag travel. travel.